Welcome to War Dove Podcast. Warring Dove International is a kingdom organization focused on building local and global partnerships, equipping ministry leaders, and raising up a company of warriors who, like a dove, have eyes to pursue one thing, the king. Thank you for tuning in today as our founder, Lisa McFarland, shares her message. Thank you for tuning in as we are launching our adventure series. Walking with God is much like going on an adventure. And today, Lisa McFarland will be sharing with you some helpful insights of how to successfully navigate this journey you're on with God. We hope you enjoy. It's interesting. It's interesting because there's, there's words about entertaining people. Let me go through my notes or I'm going to drift. So they come to this place uh, uh, where Jesus was, where Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. You know, it's not that he was already a Christian, he already knew everything. He didn't. He had gone to church, he was around church people, and often we forget that just because people know the name of Jesus or they've been to church doesn't mean they know Jesus. And yet we judge them and we're critical and we expect them to act like a mature Christian, but they're not. Maybe they're just seeking Jesus. Maybe they're just seeking to find out who Jesus is. Maybe, you know, they, they can't come to Jesus because of the crowd. You know, and I don't want us to be a church that we're like a crowd that's hostile to people that are seeking Jesus. You know, that people come because Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And he shows up to save people. He shows up to find people like Zacchaeus that want to know who he is, that are seeking him. You know, it's not that he's looking for perfect Christians or that he's just looking for sinners. He's looking for those who are seeking for him. There's a desire in there. And that desire is drawing Jesus to them. And we need to be sensitive and not be muttering and pointing the finger and acting like we're better and resisting Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, which is an antichrist structure. To say, when Jesus says, I came to seek and save which, that which is lost, and you say, not him, he's a chief sinner. He's a tax collector. She's a prostitute. She's out in the well in the middle of the day. You know, they're unclean. He's blind. What would people say about you? What have people said about you? And if you're a minister, trust me, they'll keep saying things too. Because they did about Jesus and a servant's not greater than his master. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. In fact, he, he, the desire, something was moving inside of him. And you know, I wonder if Jesus came to Jericho just for Zacchaeus. Right? Because what we are the opposite in the world, that's what we become in the church. Zacchaeus was rich. Zacchaeus was stealing. Zacchaeus was living for himself, but he was about to have a divine encounter. And God had put a desire to seek him inside of him. And the promises of Abraham, the adventure heart of God, was looking for somebody that wanted to go on a journey with him. And he didn't look at the Pharisees. He didn't look at all these other people. He divinely walks into the tree, looks up and says, hey, you, come down here, I'm going to your house, right now. It's a replay of Rahab. You know, sometimes it's the sinners that will give money, it's the sinners that will help. It's the worldly people that understand the purposes of God sometimes, more than Christian people, more than people in the church, because we're too busy telling God how we think it ought to be. And he looks up at him, you know, and Zacchaeus, just like Rahab, brings Jesus, brings the messenger into the house. 
When Jesus came to the place, He looked up. He gives him the invitation, just like Abraham. Come. Come. Just like He did to the disciples. Come and follow Me. Right? Come. I'm going to your house. I'm going to show you what I think you are. I'm going to show you how you can be different. And just the presence and the attention of Jesus shifted this man's life forever. And he went from stealing to becoming a kingdom investor and a marketplace minister. He, he went from, from being a person that was full of injustice to being a person of justice. And, and some of the sages, and if you read some of the story, Zacchaeus became a man who provided for people in the church even after that day. Something had happened. Jesus had come to the house. And the presence of God and the love of Jesus changed him instantaneously. One minute it's about him, now it's about people. One minute he's stealing, now he's giving. One minute he's full of injustice, now he becomes a fighter for the poor. One minute he's hiding in a tree, and now he's come down and everybody's looking at him. And they're all griping and they're all complaining because they don't see what Jesus sees. In fact... Could they, it be that they can't see what Jesus sees because they can't see Jesus? I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus makes restitution and Jesus responds with salvation. Right? There's a covenant and a promise. James 2.22 says this, Faith was completed by his works. I want to talk about this, that we're not saved by what we do, but what we do proves that we're saved. Right? Ephesians 2.8 says this, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not that it's a gift of God, it's not by works. So we know that God's grace comes to us. And that faith that we're operating out of that brings us to salvation, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the Word of God. God's word comes to you and something inside of you begins to seek after the Lord. But that desire to seek after him, that invitation comes from the Lord. It's the gift of faith that God puts inside of you. It's that seed. It's that promise for something that's greater, something that's unknown. There's a love. There's, a, there's something that God is releasing as we speak the word of God. It's a seed. Remember Mark chapter 4. But James 2.22 says this. Faith was completed. I'm going to go there. Actually, I'm going to read the whole thing before I jump into this next session real quick. I want you to pay attention to how important these things are. It's like a schematic of how the kingdom of God works. There's faith, there's love, there's hope, and there's obedience. And if you don't have all these parts, it's like the radio won't work. You can't just take out one tube or one component out of your radio or out of a CD player or out of this microphone and then think that because you have one tiny piece of it, the whole thing's going to work. Faith and love are like two doors. They're like components. But faith and hope are almost the same thing and yet they're different. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. And yet faith works its way out through love. And, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that He is. So there's faith, there's love, there's hope, and there's obedience, or some people would call it works. So am I saved by grace and, or faith, or am I saved by works? We're saved by grace through faith. 
There's a grace which is a favor that God releases. That favor, that love, that grace comes on my life and God releases His Word, His faith inside of me like a seed and it will start to grow and it will cause me to have a desire for God. Without that, I will not come to God. No one can come and say that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Ghost. Right? I don't think I've ever taught on this myself personally, so here it is. These are components of how the kingdom works. And it's just like an engine. I can't have a carburetor and not have some pistons. I can't have a carburetor and pistons, but I don't have a gas tank. Right? Or a fan belt. Or, or, or transmission. All these parts are fitted together and that creates the engine and that's how it goes. I must have grace or the favor that comes from God on my life. And when that happens, faith will come from the hearing of God's word and like a seed begin to grow in me and want God. It will attract God to me and it will attract me to God. But it doesn't stop there. Those are only two components, faith and grace. Because... When that happens and I respond to God, God's love that shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, right? And that, that love that made Jesus lay down his life and give his life for me that I would not die but uh, live forever, that love will cause me to obey God. And that's how I know faith is at work in me. Because faith without works is dead. But I obey God, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. My obedience is my keeping a covenant because I love God. I don't want to be separated from Him. So God, how can I draw closer to you? How can I please you? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith without works is dead. So if I don't do anything, I, is faith really operating in me? Is love really operating in me? Is God's grace even over my life? And it works together like the parts of an engine or components so that the thing moves and it goes. I, I, I don't even like the argument with that we're saved by faith. No, we're saved by works because I'm like, it's retarded. It's like saying God is three, but he's one. It's like saying God doesn't change his mind, but he commands me to pray. It's yes, 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 yes. It's all of it moving together. It's a mystery. And yet God wants us to just walk in it. It's an adventure. It's a promise. It's a love of God. Right? I, I, don't, I don't serve God because He's some mean taskmaster who's just going to throw me in hell or jail if I displease Him. That's a religious spirit. Or if you don't like that phrase, it's a spirit that is your own religion and you're trying to be God to yourself and please God in your own fashion. There you go. You're loving yourself, not God. What can I do to get by instead of what will please the Lord? And I don't want that kind of religion. This is an adventure. God's not some mean taskmaster's like, give you a bike and you fall down and you scrape your knee and he says, give me that bike back. He's not like that. He's holding the back of the bike. And he's saying, come on, you can do it. I'm for you. In fact, I'm so for you, I died on the cross and gave you the power of my spirit so that you could, uh, you could succeed. You could overcome. You could be successful and victorious. That's why I gave you my power to be a witness. That's why I gave you the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the seven spirits of God. That's why my love, which is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, is empowering you. 
doesn't want you to fail. God's not going to throw you in the trash because you make a mistake. God, if you crash, you wreck. I want you to look at the life of Abraham. I'm talking about love tonight. God didn't pick Abraham because he was good. God picked him because he loved him. And he loved him because God made him love him. Because God put his love inside of Abraham. So you can never say, well, I'm so good. I did this and I'm that. That's why I'm anointed. That's why I'm blessed. No, you're not. The only difference is God's presence on your life. That's it. It should make you, it should make you eternally grateful. Not saying, yeah, I'm, it's like I'm smoking a joint and it's all great. And we're just, woo. No. It's a privilege and an honor that God would love me. And that the friendship of God would be over my tent. That he would even pick me. That he would put up with me. That he would empower me. That he would purchase me out of slavery and bring me out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's a privilege and an honor. It's an adventure. It's not, you know, I, I remember growing up thinking, you know, you know, if I do this, then, you know, God's going to be mad at me. And I, most of my life, I've walked around thinking God's mad at me. And we can blame it on the church, but it's not always the church's fault that you're believing lies. Because yeah. yep. you lie to yourself all the time. That's true. Often we believe lies because somebody never said the truth, so we just believe the lie by default. Repeat. Often we believe lies, not because somebody told us, it's because they didn't speak the truth to us in love, therefore we believed a lie from default. Example, if no one ever says to you, thank you, and says that you're great, unless you're working hard, you start to believe that your value is only by what you do. So if you get in a situation where you can't do something for somebody, and you're not in control, and you're not the giver, you don't feel loved, and you feel vulnerable, because you don't know how to love. It's not because somebody said you're only worth what you do, it's because people never said they loved you when you were doing nothing. And by default, you are believing lies. This is an adventure of a loving God who has pursued us, who created us knowing we were going to screw up and make mistakes, that we're going to be rebellious like teenagers and argue, and that we were, we were not going to know Him, not believe Him, not do what He said, and yet we were His children. And just like my rebellious children, spiritual and natural, I love them unconditionally because they're mine. This is an adventure with a loving father who's holding the back of the bike, who's sitting next to you teaching you how to drive. You know, in that dream, when I got to the part where I said, God, I don't know, he put his head back and he was just laughing hysterically. I'm all freaked out thinking I'm going to make a mistake and screw it up and freaking out. And the father's laughing his head off saying, Lisa, I love this. This is awesome. Just like I do when I watch somebody. When I say, you're going to preach, I go, what? No, not me. And I'm like, you'll be fine. And I'm laughing and I'm snickering and I'm proud of them and I want them to succeed and I want them to do well. And when they do, I'm not angry, I'm not competitive, I'm not jealous. I'm thinking, woohoo, I did my job right and I love them. And that's what our Heavenly Father is like. He loves you, He's for you, right? It's an invitation for adventure. It's a risk. Oh, yeah, you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, it's going to be like a roller coaster, you're going to be screaming your head off. Up to the top, down to the bottom, up and out, whirling around. You'll be like holding your breath. But you know what? You need it. You're a prophetic person. You need the extreme. You need the drama. You need the dramatic. You need an encounter. You need to know that if you're down, He's going to pick you up. That He loves you no matter what. He'll even let you make a mistake. He knows you're going to screw it up. I remember about 12 years ago, I said to God, don't pick me. 
Don't pick me. Don't pick me. Surely you've made a mistake because I'm screwed up. I, you know, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do that. I, I'm going to make a mistake. I will make it. And God says, oh yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. What? Yeah, would you like to know every one of them? And when it's going to happen? And why? Because I already know them, Lisa. And I still picked you. I still picked you. I still picked you. What I should have said was, yeah, tell me, and then took notes. <laughs> I'd have still made the mistake, though. Because you can only walk in the revelation you have at the time. And the maturity that you're at. So you know, I can look back at my 20s, but I was 20. That's, what, that's as mature as I was at 20. That's the knowledge and the knowledge of God I was walking in at 20. So I made the decision based on who I was at that time. Praise God, I'm not that person anymore. Now I make new mistakes <laughs> as a 53-year-old. It's an adventure. It's a promise. You know, I used to think that, you know, I could just like screw up God's word as though I was more powerful than God. You know, well, I got pregnant, I got this, I did that, I screwed it up, it's all over now. Really? Because there's a God who can redeem time. Make water come from a rock and bread come from the sky. And make a lady who's too old to have a baby get pregnant anyway. And when a guy who's dead and been dead for four days who's stinking, get up and have fresh, clean baby skin put on his body and breath come back into him. And you think you can change God's plan for your life because you made a mistake? Or because you whine? Or because you're afraid, like God's going to give you a pass. Do not, do not go to jail card. Because you're afraid? God's spoken it. Will He not do it? God's Word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce all the way down to the very fiber of your being, down to the level of your DNA, and separates you out for divine purposes because He said so. Nice. <laughs> Because he said so. We're saved by grace through faith, but we're justified by our works. Pay attention. We're saved by grace through faith. That's my salvation. But I'm justified or made right or shown to be righteous by what I do. Let's clear that up. Ready? Here's some scripture. James chapter 2. Verse 22. Facts at 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but he doesn't do anything? Can that faith save him? What faith? Faith without works or faith with works? Can faith without works save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them of you says, Go to go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? You say you love somebody, but you won't help them. We know you don't really love them. It's the same way that saying faith, if, uh, faith that doesn't have works is dead. You don't really have faith. Because if you had faith, you would do what faith does. Faith completes it. Faith performs it. Faith manifests. God knew that Abraham had faith because he obeyed him. He obeyed him. He went ahead and walked it out. Where are we going? I don't know. When will we get there? I don't know. What will it look like? I don't know. When will it end? I don't know. But 
because God said it, I'm going to step out and take a risk, take a chance. I'm going to launch because God has put His Word inside of me and that Word will perform it and even cause it to manifest. And so because I believe it, I obey God anyway. One time I had to get on a plane and it was going to take about $2,000 for this crusade that I had in Mexico. And all I had was $100 in my pocket. I bought the ticket, but I only had $100. That's not enough to pay for my food, not enough to pay for the transportation, not enough to pay for all my expenses. And I, and, and I was like, oh God, what do I do? And I felt like the Lord said, get on the plane. Get on the plane and go to another country without the money in my pocket? Are you kidding? Faith is what you have when you don't have anything else, let me tell you. Because if you have the money, you don't need faith. You need faith when you don't have it. You need faith when it hurts. You need faith when you can't see it. You need faith when there's a risk. If there's no risk and you got the money and you don't have pain and everything's going right, you don't need your faith. We don't even know if your faith button works. It's just been on the shelf so long. That's why God allows you to be tested. To see if it works. Because faith without works is dead. How do we know? It's like a light bulb that you've never turned on for 20 years. We don't know if it really works. Until it turns on and it's tested. Until you try it out. So faith is the bridge that you're walking on across this chasm that's as deep as the Grand Canyon. Then we find out if you've got faith. Funny thing is, God has faith. Praise God, because His faith is a lot better than mine. I used to tell Him, don't pick me, my faith sucks. You know, you know how you get faith? God speaks to you and then He causes you to be tested and then your faith grows like a seed. Faith. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. And some people will say that. Well, I have faith. I don't need to fast. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do all that. I have faith. Right? This is what James is talking about. And other people say, well, no, it takes more than faith. You have to go to church. You have to tithe. You have to pray. You have to fast. You have to do this. You have to give to the poor. And there's this fight about, well, do I, do I get saved by faith or do I get saved by what I do? And we all know that, that, that we're not saved by works, right? Don't you know that? This is a church that teaches that. Let me make it clear. This church teaches you are not saved by what you do. You're saved by grace through faith, which is a gift from God, so you can't boast about it. So why do you tell us to fast? Why do you tell us to pray? Why do you tell us to live holy? Because faith is not really faith unless it's tested. Faith is not faith unless you prove it by being what you said you believe in. Faith without works is dead. Some will say, you have faith and I have works. So show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe there's a God and they shudder about it. Do you want to be shown as a foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father, the father of faith, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Stop right there. God says to Abraham, leave your mother and father and go to the land, I will show you. And, 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 then he, and, and you see Abraham as he's on this adventure and he's learning what God is like and what the kingdom is like, God will ask him to take a risk or a chance. Right? So he goes to a place he doesn't know. He, he, he goes out to battle against kings, five kings. And then we get to this place where he says, take your son, your only son, the one I promised you, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Wow. 
I don't know if I have that kind of faith. Cool thing is, when you need that kind of faith, God will give it to you. Praise the Lord. Right? People are always worried about being a martyr. If you're called to be a martyr, God will give you the faith to be a martyr. When God asks you or puts you through these tests, there's tests that I have today that you probably could not handle. I couldn't either 20 years ago. But God's been building my faith and God's been building a character and been building the kingdom inside of me. God will not allow you to be tested above that which you're able and not make an escape for you. Right? So it's, it's crazy to be wondering, I don't know if I have faith. You'll have the faith when you need the faith. If you ask God, God will give you His faith and it will be in the faith. And faith is a seed. It grows. Right? It starts small and it grows until it becomes a big tree. Love is a seed. It grows until it becomes a huge vine or root. So here we go. He's talking about Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and the faith was completed by his works. Abraham believed God and God counted it like it was righteousness. Right? How do I know if I'm righteous? Because I do what God says. Is, am I saved because I do what is right? No, I could be faking it. But if faith is truly operating in me, I will believe God. And I will do what He says because I love Him. And my works will prove that faith is at op- operating or at work in me. I'm saved by grace through faith, but I'm justified. Or I prove that I'm in right standing with God by what I do. By works. That's what I teach. Because you wonder. Thank you so much for listening to Warring Dove International's podcast. To find out more about our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit our website at wardoves.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. We'll see you next time on our next episode.